Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. I wanted to share a little bit on um, why I believe discipleship is key and how we find someone to disciple us and how we disciple other people. I love just giving good, like, key tools um, for action. So I'm not going to preach at y'all about discipleship, how we all need to be disciple. I'm just going to share. Oh, Paris, can you bring him up here? I want to give him a kiss on the face. This is my son. He's been very sick, you guys. Just to, actually, will you guys just reach a hand just to declare full health in Jesus' name? Um, so I want to give you guys good, tangible tools. I, I know Chris and, and Jesse um, shared some awesome stuff last week. I'm like, wow, I don't even know if we need to have another one. They, they gave you guys lots of, of great things. Um, but I want to share, and I'm going to share some, some personal stories. Is that okay? I want to share with you guys why I believe discipleship is huge in the kingdom of God. One, like I mentioned this morning, we we're created for community. Um, and, and two, we're not supposed to do life alone. We're not supposed to do life alone. We're actually supposed to have someone that we can talk to about everything um, alongside the Father. So this is why, you know, um, we have marriage. This is why we have brothers and sisters, biological brothers and sisters. God cares a lot for our connection and community. Um, I did not grow up in the church, and so I had no idea what it looked like to be um, a woman in ministry. I had no idea what it looked like to, to walk in the Christian life. Um, and then when I accepted the Lord, I was a sophomore in high school, and I actually asked a friend who just didn't mess up as much as I did. <laughs> I just asked her if she'd hang out with me more because I wanted to learn from her. I probably didn't say it that way. It was probably more like, hey, can we hang? I like that you don't make messes or something. Um, and and that, was, that was my way of asking for help. I, I saw something, even when I didn't have language or verbiage, I saw something in someone that I wanted. So I saw that Kate was really kind and she was known for being really kind and I wanted to be really kind. So I just wanted to get around her more. My dad um, is a lieutenant in the um, uh, police department and um, growing up he would always say to me, Nicole, you'll become who you hang around. Well, I'm an evangelist. And so I'm like, that's not true, dad. Like, I want to hang out with the druggies. I want to hang out with the people on the streets. I want to hang out with. So it always gets super offended. Like, that's not true, dad. But there's truth to what he was saying. Those that you surround yourself around uh, majority of the time, those that you uh, get tips and knowledge from, you will actually, uh, they'll start to rub off on you. And so you want to be surrounded by people who you see something in that you want. Does that make sense? Y'all, y'all catching me? Um, and, and so one of the things that I would suggest when looking for someone, I like to say disciple because that's, that's in scripture. Mentorship really isn't. Mentor, anybody can have mentorship. You can get mentorship in business. I'm not out for mentorship. I, I, I want someone to disciple me and I want to disciple because scripture says you are called to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and you, when you have that commonality of Christ, you'll be discipled in a different way than you would be mentored. Y'all hear me? So if you just get mentored by someone, they might say cutting corners in business is okay because that's the way that they've done it. Hopefully, if you're being discipled by a Christ follower, they're not going to tell you that. If they are, come give me their name afterwards. I'm kidding. But you find something in someone that you're like, oh, yeah, Tim's a really good dad. I want to learn how to be a really good dad. You know, you, 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 Michael's a really good servant. I want to know how to serve like he serves. I just want to get around him. I think one of the common mistakes that we do is we, um, we say that our friends are discipling us. We maybe don't use that language. We say like, oh, my three best friends, I meet with them every week. Cool. Are they pulling you up? Not are, you, not, not are they um, um, keeping you where you are, keeping you stabilized, if you will, but are they pulling you up? Are they encouraging you to do scary things? Are they encouraging you to have brave communication? Are they challenging you? And a lot of times, our friends, that's not really the relationship. Sure, we share some things, and hopefully you're being encouraged by them, but I believe, just as Paul had Timothy under him, and Jesus had Paul, 
I believe that we are called to disciple and be discipled. No matter if we're 16 or 60, there's still more to learn and there's still more to give. We are called to disciple and to be discipled at all times. I have, I have three, four, seven people who I'm discipled by. Seven people. And they have full authority to speak in my life. And half of those people, I actually don't talk when we meet. It's a rule. I actually sit and I listen. And I'm a talker. You guys know. I'm a talker. I like to talk. I like to share. Um, but, but I don't. There's some people we will literally be go to dinner. And I'm like, hey, I love you. I'm so glad to see you. Five minute snippet of what's going on in my life. All right, pour out. Seriously. It's kind of crazy. The first couple times you do it, you're like, this feels a little awkward, like they're just talking. But that's one way in which I honor my mentors, those that are discipling me. I just listen and I sit. Because I think another common mistake, if you will, is we, we ask someone to be, um, to disciple us, but then we don't like it when they challenge us. And so we stop meeting or we, we control the conversation and now they're not able to speak life because we're controlling the conversation. So I would highly suggest that you find one or two people that, that you are being discipled by. More than one is fine. And, and you guys, this doesn't mean, I don't meet with these people every week. I meet with one of those people of the seven every month. I FaceTime with one of them probably every, they're probably all every month meetings. But sometimes it's, it's a FaceTime 10 minutes. Sometimes it's a three hour dinner. It just depends. I also honor their time. Another thing, um, so let's see, why we get discipled, I think I shared that, who to look for. Someone that has something that you would desire and how to approach them. I have a lot of people, you guys probably do too because you're amazing, that will come up and say, I want to be discipled by you. Talk louder. Oh, you know what, Michael, where is Michael? I feel like the, the speaker was turned down because I feel like I'm yelling. Hey, Michael, can you turn me up at all? Just like a little bit, turn me up. Is that okay? Thank you. Okay, I'll try and talk loud until he gets it up. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so I'll have people, this is a secret. You guys, you guys get a little secret into Nicole's life. I'll have people come up and ask, can I be discipled by you? My first response is always, can you email me? Will you email me and let me know what you mean by that? Will you email me and let me know when you can meet? And almost 90% of the time, I don't get an email. The reason I do that is because I want to see the commitment level. I want to see if they are responsible, if they will follow through, and if they're committed. Because if they are, I will meet with them day and night because scripture has called me to make disciples. But most of the time, I don't get an email back. And if I do get an email back, a lot of times, it's, hey, I just love to be around you more. I'm available only on Friday nights at eight. I'm like, oh, I have a family. That probably won't work. You can come do family with us. But just to hang around me doesn't sound like you're looking for input. Doesn't, so, so sometimes, and this is, I'm just letting y'all in really raw here. Sometimes I just ask more questions. What does it look like you, to you to be discipled? What are you looking for? And some really good examples I've been given, and, and I, I, I'm sharing this because I want you all to know when someone asks you to disciple them and what you should ask when you ask someone to disciple you. You want to honor their time and you want to honor what God's done in their life so much so that... I, I, I'll give you a yeah, real life example. My pastor, Kimberly, um, she spoke here a couple months ago when she's, she's like a really big deal. Like she shouldn't be meeting with me. She's got a church of 4,000 people. She's getting offers all the time. She's constantly traveling. Like there's no reason except that she believes God's called her to make disciples and she wants to make a disciple. So when I asked her, I said, hey, Kimberly, I'd really love to be discipled by you. And, you know, and I did what I would want someone else in the long email explanation when I could meet. And I told her, I said, Kimberly, I so desire to be around you more and to learn how a powerful woman walks in ministry. I will come over when you're cleaning your house. You need help cleaning your kitchen. You need someone to vacuum. You're going to do yard work. Let me come and do it with you. 
Because the last thing I wanted to do was pull more time from her. And if I'm honest, I'm going to see more of what it looks like to walk in that when we're not all dolled up at dinner pretending life is okay. I'm actually going to see what it looks like to, to pastor a 4,000-person church, be a traveling speaker, and have to come home and clean your house. And so for her, I just said, I want to be around you more. I will come around you whenever you are available. You're cleaning your house. You're hanging out with your grandkids. You're running to the grocery. I'm a great grocery partner. I will come with you. And what that said to her was, wow, she honors and values my time so much that she is willing to come over when I'm cleaning my house. She's willing to come over when I'm going to the grocery Why did I share that? I was sharing that so that you know how to ask people valuing time. Yeah, this is a big one. Um, Jesse has a great example. We were just talking about this this past week. Um, When when you've asked someone to, to disciple you, there's a commitment level. You might be a very committed person and there might be things happening transitions in life or whatnot. Um, I just empower you guys not to be flaky. Say, oh my gosh, John, I'm so sorry. I have to cancel this meeting. Let me tell you why. Don't just say, hey, I can't meet. Because that's not fun for John who has four kids and has scheduled out and has put you in his schedule for that week. And if you do it more than two or three times, that's not fun for John. That doesn't honor his time. That doesn't help him. He's trying to help you. You know, a lot of people charge a lot of money to consult. When, when Jesse consults businesses and churches and things like that, he could actually charge quite a bit of money because there's a lot of value in that. When someone's discipling you, hopefully you're, they're not charging you, unless it's like a business thing maybe, but you, you almost view their time as paid time. Does that make sense? So how do, we, how do we find someone? You look for something in their life that you value, that you want more of. You honor their time and you ask them and you're very specific about what, and and honestly, guys, it doesn't have to be super um, specific. You might just say, I I just want to learn how to be a better daughter of Christ. You seem to know you have a lot of Bible knowledge and I see that you have two amazing teenage kids. You obviously did something right. Can I just be around you? Can I just learn from you? You could honestly just talk about your week when we get together. I just want to hear from you. I just want to learn how you have conversations with people. I just want to learn how you do church ministry. I just want to learn how you do family life. Just be as specific as you can, but don't get stressed out about, oh my gosh, I don't know what I want from them, but but I'm so attracted. God has drawn me to them. I want to be around them. Just be honest. Does that make sense? Of, Of what you are looking for and pray about it. Ask God, God, who are you calling me to disciple and who are you calling me to be around more? You know, Paul wrote many letters to Timothy and encouraged Timothy as a very young person to continue on, to preach the truth, to build the church. Paul was constantly checking in and they didn't live close to one another. So you don't have to have someone that lives next door. There's, I love FaceTime. It's amazing. There's FaceTime. There's Skype. You can have conversations on the phone. I love face-to-face stuff. Um, and, and there's meetings. But if they're not close by, utilize FaceTime so you can read, you know, tone and language and all of that by their facial expressions. But finding someone and letting them know what you're looking for and honoring their time, I believe, is huge. And then you ask the Father, God, what am I supposed to gain from them? I, I was meeting with someone... Um, Okay, I'm going to give you guys a really big tip slash challenge. You ready? If there is an area in your life that you see a theme in, I don't know why. I just always have messy communication with people. I don't know why. I always turn off the side of my heart when I get around these types of people. Or I'm just trying to give you guys examples. If there's a theme in your life, go after someone who doesn't have that theme. Does that make sense? And try and find someone, they can be the same age, but all all the people that disciple me are at least 20 years older than me. There's just something about people having gone before you. That's really good. And I'm not saying that someone younger can't disciple you. They absolutely can. But when I'm looking for someone, I want to look for someone who's gone way before me, have a little bit more knowledge than I have. 
to meet with. But my challenge is when you get around these people, in the very beginning, you set the stage for what you're looking for and you give them full permission to speak into your life. You say, hey, hey, um, Sally, <laughs> Sally, hey, Sally, you have full authority to speak truth in my life. I'm not gonna take offense. I may not like what you have to say, but I wanna listen and I wanna grow. You give them that. If people don't tell me that I have authority to speak into the hard places, I don't. I don't do it. I see things, I'm like, oh, bummer. And sometimes God says, yeah, you should talk to him about that. But a lot of times you need an invitation in. Stranger is not, someone that you've just met or only met with a few times, they're not gonna come to your house, open the door and come in. They're gonna knock. And then you're gonna go to the door, oh yeah, you can come in, come on in. So let them know up front. And, and if you are the um, person discipling, say, ask them in the beginning, hey, well, I have full authority to speak into your life. Will you be okay if I share some tough things? Would you be okay? Just get it all out on the table. Because this would be my challenge. My challenge would be, after you've met with them um, for, for a little while, and, and I would set time frames. Hey, can we meet for three months? Hey, can we meet for six months? Let them know it's not, you're not gonna have to meet with me every week for the rest of your life. Let them, and, and maybe they will. Um, but hey, could, could, you, could you give me a year once a month? Could I meet with you for one year once a month? And then when you're halfway through, the challenge, that was a very long explanation to get to what I was trying to say. The challenge is, can you tell me three areas in my life that I should grow in? That's a tough question because all the like pride pinpoints come out. Can you hear me? to ask three areas in your life that you could work on. You know, our spouses, our best friends, those that we live with, they see our day in and day out and they're able to speak a little bit more free. But the moment you sit down with someone, you say, hey, I've been meeting with you for three months now or we've met four times or probably a little bit longer than that. We've been meeting for a little while. Hey, I wanna know what do you see in me and what are some things I could work on? I'm totally not gonna take offense. I wanna learn from you. You carry this, 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 and this really well. What are three areas I could work on? And that, that has been the most profound um, feedback I've received. And I've asked that with all of, uh, of those that have discipled me. And I've asked that of my team. Um, I've asked that of people I've worked with. Hey, what could I work on? Or, hey, what are three areas you tell me I could grow? I always tell single people. <laughs> I'm like, ask those around you what you could do to be a better single person. Well, Tom, every time we're around Sally, you always act a little awkward. One time I had a guy, we, Paris and I, um, oh, hey, I didn't even see you guys. Hey, y'all. Uh, Paris and I led a young adults ministry for several years in Orange County. And um, we had a lot of single people that come to the ministry. And so... Um, I am a matchmaker at heart. I really am. But, but one time we had this fellow come to us and, and he said, I just, I, I don't know. I don't understand why I can't find a girlfriend. Da, 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 da. How, can you guys help me? And blah, 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 blah. And I said, hey, have you ever asked any of your friends how you could be a better single person? And he's like, well, no. I said, you should totally ask three or four people that you love and respect around you. Hey, how could I be a better single person? And I kid you guys not. Praise God, he doesn't take offense. Someone told him, hey, bud, your breath always smells. <laughs> and it was a thing that we would hear from the girls in the ministry. He's so cute, but his breath is raunchy. It's like a little silly thing, you know? Had he not asked those people, he wouldn't have known. And it's a silly, it's a, such a silly thing but he was brave enough to ask those around them, hey, what do you see in me that I could change to be a better person? Hey, what do you see? And so something you guys might ask is, hey, Tom, now that we've been meeting for a while, like, how could I be a better follower of Jesus? What could I do? And this isn't a time for them to nitpick. That's not what it's about. If they love you, if they care about you, if they're truly um, walking with you, they'll say, you know what? I, I hear you talk about... Um, your mom a lot. And I just think like if you had a really good conversation with her in love, that whole situation that you've been talking about for the past year, it could be reconciled. Things like that. Super simple. I'm always looking for feedback on things. My, my, the team makes fun of me because I'm always like, what's one thing you would change? 
what's a good thing? What's one thing you would change? I work with a bunch of positive people, so they're amazing. I have to kind of pull it out of them, but I've given them permission and authority to speak into my life. And I feel good when I have a challenge. I'm like, ah, I could do that better. I, I actually, I would draw more people to the Father if I did this better. So all that to say, asking, asking um, three things. I don't know why three is the number, but three is the number. Asking three things that you could grow in or that they could challenge you with. And honestly, t- given a takeaway a take at the end of your meeting, when you're, when you're sitting with someone, hey, what's one takeaway for me? And they might be like, what? Just what's, what's one thing I could work on this week? I might just give you, I had someone once to give me just a verse, just to meditate on this verse all week. Awesome. Call it homework, call it whatever you want, but just a takeaway. You don't want to just meet for the sake of meeting. That's like my core value. I don't meet for the sake of meeting. Every meeting I have is intentional. And if it didn't start intentional, somebody's getting saved, healed, or delivered while I'm there. I'm not going to waste my time, you know? So ask for a takeaway. Hey, and, and, and if you are discipling, say, hey, can I give you a takeaway for this week or for this month? And then follow up. That's a big one. Following up. Hey, did you have a conversation with that person that we talked about? Maybe you give them the seven-day rule. That's up to you. Ask God about it. But follow up with them. And then have really good, brave communication around Oh, you asked me for my opinion on that one thing and I gave it to you and I'm not feeling like you valued it because you haven't done it yet. I had someone say that to me one time and I went, oh, I just got caught. Okay, yep, I've been avoiding it. Can you actually help me figure out how I could do this better? And then it was all good and I felt powerful going into the conversation. But they called me out on it. They called me out. They held me accountable. Accountability Accountability isn't by man alone. Your accountable partner is, is God. That's who you're accountable to. That's your accountability partner. A lot of times we get really weird. We're like, this is my accountability partner. I'm gonna tell them all my junk and I'm gonna wear my underwear around them. It's gonna be really awkward, but they're my accountability partner, so I have to. And you've not talked to God about it. It's like, but God's your accountability partner, right? Is that okay that I said underwear? Okay. I have two last bullet points here. Um, Trying to figure out how to say this in the sweetest way. When you're being discipled by someone, there should be fruit in their life, and there should be fruit in your life. If you're meeting with someone for a while, and you're like, man, I'm not bearing the fruit I was hoping, and I'm not really seeing that fruit. I thought that they had that, I thought they had a really good lemon on their branch. I'm seeing it's a kind of sour lemon. Where there's, there's not fruit, leave it, <laughs> for lack of other ways to communicate that. There should be fruit in your life. Don't meet with people for weeks and months and years if there's no fruit, if you're not growing, if you're not being challenged. That's not discipleship. That might be a weird friendship. I don't know. Maybe you should be discipling them. But there should be fruit. If you're not growing, if you're not constantly growing and having this really good healthy tension, then I would maybe ask them more questions. Hey, can you really help me grow in this area? And if it's not happening, if there's, if there's weirdness happening in their life, or maybe there's just a situation going on um, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's say that their marriage is really crazy. And every time you get together, they just tell you about how horrible their marriage is. I don't know that you should be meeting with them. Is it okay that I say that? Maybe they need a break. And you don't say, listen, your life is a hot mess. So call me when you got to figure it figured out. <laughs> we don't say that. We have more tact than that, right? Pray for them, love them, but maybe, maybe give them a little space to figure that piece out. I, um, when we were in youth ministry, uh, I, I would meet with a lot of high schoolers, a lot of middle schoolers, but mostly high schoolers. And a lot of times they would say, oh, so-and-so's um, mentoring me. And then I would hear about what they talked about. And I'm like, oh, wow, you have a really skewed um, vision on what mentorship, discipleship is, because they shouldn't be talking about that. 
They shouldn't be encouraging you to do something that's not of Jesus. So all that to say, there should be fruit. There should be fruit. Always ask yourself, where's the fruit? How am I growing? When you walk away, honestly, you guys, I would see discipleship as an interview. What do you do for an interview? You get there early. You don't come in looking like a slob. You prepare any notes that you might have or questions that you might have before. Always come with questions. You leave the, when you, when you, this is totally sales. When you're leaving an interview, if it's a sales position, you always ask them, did I get the job? You know that? If you guys ever interview for a sales position, at the very end you say, so, did I get the job? So when you're leaving this interview, when you're leaving a, a meeting with someone who's discipling you, you ask them, do you think I'm progressing? Do you have any takeaways? Do you have anything I can focus on until the next time we meet? You have something that you take with you and you ask before you go. Does that make sense? The interview is a pretty good analogy, huh? That just came to me. And then you follow up, right? You call on Tuesday. Hey, did I get the job? Hey, is someone going to email me? Who do I talk to in HR? How do we get the ball rolling? In the same way, if you don't set with, my, with, with those that disciple me, we set a time in that meeting. But if you're unable to set a time, you follow up with an email or a phone call. Hey, when can we meet again? I really value this, 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 and this. That was great feedback. Here's what I learned when you said that. Now you're telling them what's really helpful for you. And so there's this cool relationship. Oh, wow, when I share about my family, I actually really encourage them to be a better mom or dad or brother or sister, auntie, uncle, whatever. And then the last part, and I'll just end with this, is the sitting and listening. I think that is so hard, and I know it's not normal, but just saying, I just... I just want to sit under you, letting them know where they stand in your life. I want to sit under you. I want to serve you, and I want to learn from you, and that might look like me not talking a lot. Is that okay? I I once heard someone say, um, if God has put a big vision in your heart, if he's put a lot of dreams in your heart, sit under someone else for, for seven years. Now, I don't know that I would agree with the seven years thing because I don't, I don't know that David waited that long. I don't know that Timothy waited that long because God called them pretty quickly. But, uh, but be willing to sit under someone. Be willing to serve someone um, for at least, I would say at least a year. Be willing to serve them and sit under someone else's vision. If you feel like God has called you to something that you have yet to see in your life, believe that what he says will happen, his promises are true, and sit under someone else who's headed in that direction and serve them. I'm right in the middle um, I'm always looking to grow. I'm right in the middle of interviewing uh, women who are senior pastors and or on the senior leadership of their churches with children under two in the United States. I literally have meetings set up mostly on, on FaceTime because they're not in California, but I want to know what they're doing, how they're doing it, how they do it well, and what their life looks like. And so I set all these meetings because I'm like, well, they're doing it. I'm doing it. I want to learn from them. They've got something to offer me. It might be chain, you know, bring five diapers instead of three diapers to church on Sunday because your kid's going to blow out of them all. (laughs) It has happened, you guys. But find people that are headed in the direction that you feel God has called you to. If you believe God has called you to um, uh, outreach, if you believe you're an evangelist, find an evangelist. They don't have to look like what you feel like God's called you to. In fact, I'd encourage you to find someone that's actually quite different than you. Because if you get someone that's just like you, you might learn some. If you find someone that's radically different, they might scare you a little bit, and that's good. You can even tell them, you, Michael, you scare me because you're so good at communicating the gospel, but I want to learn how you do it because I do it differently. But just know sometimes if we go out on the streets together and you're talking to Paul, I might be quiet, but I'm just trying to learn and soak it in. You're allowed to say that. You're allowed to be honest. But just find those people that are doing what you feel God has called you to do. Yeah, I think that's it. Is that good? You guys have any questions? I'm open for questions. Any questions around how to be a good disciple, how to disciple well, how to find someone to disciple you? Do y'all have any questions around that? Yeah.
and I'm not saying, let me rephrase that. It can be someone different in personality, or maybe they're doing, um, I'll just use outreach because that was the example. Maybe there's someone at Mariner's Church that oversees outreach that you kind of know, um, and they'll do outreach different than we would do outreach, but you want to learn how they're doing it. They don't have to be radically different than you, but their personalities or what they're doing in ministry can be different. Meaning don't try and find someone that's doing exactly what you're doing. Because I would tell you all what, God's called me to do something that I've not yet seen. I won't share what it is, but he's called me to do something I've not yet seen, but I'm going to chase after those who are on the path to that. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah. What's that? How do you stay humble? It's a great question. Yeah. When you are discipling someone, um, remind yourself you don't have all the answers. Um, when you don't know the answer, say, I actually don't know. Um, but God does. Someone, someone came to me today and said, what do I do in this situation? Do I have to get reconciled to uh, my, my ex-spouse? I said, oh, it's a good question. I'd ask God. He actually knows. It's okay to say, I don't know. Don't try and have all the answers. Please don't be that person. Like you have the answers to everyone's problem. We don't. And, and sometimes people need to hear, I actually don't know. I don't, I, I, when I was studying theology in college, um, we would always have people in class and they'd raise their hand and we would have um, debates with one another. And one of the most powerful times I ever saw the professor who had all the answers said, I actually don't know. I struggle with that too. But here, here's what I do around that, that topic. So that for you discipling, for when you are being discipled, I sitting, listening, and serving. Yeah, sitting, listening, and serving, um, and just asking really good questions and giving people authority. And that's how you stay humble. Yeah, so he asked um, if you are, um, like for, for the example of me, if you, if you are looking for me to disciple you, what, what do we put in the email? Do we put what come when you're cleaning your house and doing yard work? I think I would just be as specific as you can. It could say, you could say something along the lines like, hey, my schedule's really crazy, but I have Wednesdays, Thursdays from this time to this time. I also would be willing to give up a weekend day just to come around you. Um, I know, and, and, I, and I told Kimberly this when I asked her, I said, listen, I know it might sound really weird. You don't have to invite me to your house. She didn't really know me. We met at a church planning conference thing. I said, um, but, but I'll meet you anywhere. I'll meet you at Starbucks. I'll meet you in San Diego. Um, I just want to come and be around you. So I gave her the freedom to share with me. I just let her know how seriously committed I was. I will come to your house when you are cleaning. If that's a little crazy, I'm a little crazy. Welcome to my life. I'll also just come with you when you're speaking at other churches or we can meet for coffee. I just gave her freedom in letting her decide so that she didn't feel like, oh, they're telling me I need to meet them at Starbucks on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Does that make sense? So giving as much information as you can in the email, I think is always good. You don't have to, don't write a crazy long email you know, hey, here's what I'm thinking. This is why I believe God's calling me uh, to be around you or someone like you more. And they might say, you know what? I can't, but I've got someone who could. And the same for y'all. Someone might ask you to disciple them. And you're like, you know what? Right now is like not a great time in my life. I, I could probably revisit it in about six to eight months. But I know Sally, <laughs> who is really good at this. You should maybe reach out to her and see if she's available. I'm giving people resources. Michael? How can you be mentored by someone in a different city? It's a good question. Yeah, I would say FaceTime. Maybe it's a phone call. Um, yeah, I always like to be around people. Please don't, I would encourage you all um, to have someone that is discipling you that's local. If all of the people whom you are allowing to speak into your life are two hours away, that's a little weird. They're not seeing you. They're not around you. Doesn't mean that they, they can't be. It just means if you're going to have that, 
also have someone that's walking in life with you, around you, can see you visibly. Because I can do my hair, put some makeup on, put a nice top on. I can have sweatpants on, ruggedy socks, and I can FaceTime somebody. And I can tell them my perspective on something. But if they're walking with me, if, they're, if I have to see them on Sunday mornings or I'm going to see them at home group or I'm, I'm going to... Um, they're going to hear about my circle of friends and they're going to start to put names together. For instance, when Kimberly came to speak, she met Chris and Jesse. So now when I talk about how amazing they are, she can relate because she's met them. She's been around them. She kind of, even though she doesn't come here and even though I don't see her that often, she could be out of town. She knows my circle of friends. She's met them. She's been around. She's met my husband. So I can ask her marital advice because she knows my husband. She knows my kids. Does that make sense? So you could ask them, hey, could we FaceTime you know, monthly? Um, or I'm going to come to that conference because I know you're speaking at it and I want to come and just hear from you. Um, that's the way that I would go about it. But don't let that be the only person that's speaking into your life. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Oh, it's good. Yeah. So he, he said, um, when God's given you a dream or a vision about something, do we pray about it before we ask the person to disciple us? That was your question, right? Um, I, I always like to talk to God. You can call it talking to him and have to call it praying. Um, uh, I, I'm just always like, oh God, is that a good idea? Should I reach out to them, Father? Would that be good? Would that be smart right now in my life? Oh, cool. They're doing outreach the way that I'd love to do outreach. Um, yeah, Lord, is it okay if I reach out to them? Cool. All right. It's just like processing with dad. Um, and then, yeah, reach out to them. Did that answer your question? Okay, cool. Yeah. In regards to accountability, what do you think about people that say I'm accountable to God, but they have a hard, they have a hard time coming under the ears of accountability with mentally fit? I'm going to get the chair for that one. That's a really great question. Um, oh man, if, can you be the person that's discipling? Is that pertaining to your example? Um, we are all accountable to the father. In the cases in which, and this has happened in my life, where someone is not allowing you to speak authority, I would maybe say, hey, I'm not feeling like you're allowing me to speak authority into your life. Do you believe I hear from God? You do. I feel like God really wants you to reconcile with that person. And actually, Scripture says this. I'd always point them back to the Bible. Um, Gosh, Pastor Chris, you preached on this a few months ago. You said something so good. You said, "If, if you can't say no to someone... If someone can't say no to you, you might be in rebellion. I believe, and I I don't like to talk about the enemy too often because he's boring and blah, but I believe that he will make people think that they are being held accountable to God and yet they will be living in rebellion. They will be living in something they were never designed to live in. And I believe that that is an easy way out. And I've heard it and it is a bummer that people would say, well, God told me to be divorced. God did not tell you that. And we could go into specifics if you guys want one-on-one about the areas in which scripture does apply to divorce. But where, where God has united, it shall not be broken down. That's a heavy, that's a heavy thing. I know. I'm sorry if I just hurt somebody, but But the truth is, Scripture is pretty clear about a lot of things that we go against and say, well, we're under the authority of God. Cool. Well, the book that God wrote, are you following it? And and honestly, you guys, like, this is the tough part about discipleship is the fact that you actually have to be honest. And if you're really being discipled or if you're really discipling someone, it should not always be super easy. It shouldn't be a come meet with me at the Lazy Dog Cafe and let me just encourage you for an hour. If that's the case, don't do it. 
Go sit with God in his presence for an hour. That's way more valuable than just encouraging someone for an hour and not giving them any honest input into their life. Some people need to know you're wrong. People need to know, oh man, that doesn't sound like God. Hey, Sally, I know that you hear from God. I see God all over you. God is in you. I love how you love people, but oh, it doesn't seem like God in that situation. I love you. It doesn't seem like God. What Does God really want that? Does God really want that? And that's why people don't get discipled. <laughs> that's why people don't, honestly. That's why people don't invite input because the Lord will reveal the things that are dark. And you're called the light of the world. Like I shared this morning, you're called the light of the world. You are to shed light on those areas that are dark. And so if you're being discipled or discipling someone, you better be shining some light on some dark places before it gets too dark, before it becomes too much of a habit, before relationships are broken, before divorce happens. Shine some light on that. And it doesn't mean that you have all the answers. Maybe you have to suggest them go see someone else. That's okay too. Hey, I don't have all the answers. It doesn't feel like God. I don't have peace about it. I've been praying about this. I don't feel God on that. But you know what? I'm not a pro at this. Why don't you talk to my friends? They're really good. at. They actually had a similar situation. Can you meet with them? Would you be open to? Cool, you would. Awesome. It's a really good question though. I think just, and that's why I always, when I go into um, a new discipleship relationship, I say, hey, you have full authority. You don't have to not share anything with me unless the Lord tells you not to share it. Call me out. I'm giving you authority. In fact, if you don't call me out, I don't know that we're doing this the way I'd like to do it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a tough one. a good question. She said, what does serving under someone in a practical sense look like? Um, I was telling someone this morning, I wish I would have known how to love moms before I was a mom. I would have loved moms a lot better. I would have shown up at, at people's houses and I would have just cleaned their kitchen. I wouldn't have asked, hey, when can I come over and serve you? I'd have just shown up. I would have shown up and said, hey, go shower, <laughs> go nap. Let me just clean your kitchen. Oh, no, it's okay. Now, honestly, I want to clean your kitchen. It would actually bring me great joy. I'm going to hang out with Jesus in your kitchen and clean it right now. Like, I wish I w- Now I'm like, I want to do that for all the moms, but I have two kids, and I don't have time to do that, <laughs> you know? And I try to serve the Skinners in the best way that I can as we live there. But um, to answer your question, how do you serve people? You, you just you show up and you do it. I don't always ask permission. Because people are going to feel like, oh, you don't have to. Why not? I'd love to. I actually really encounter Jesus when I'm cleaning toilets. I'd love to just come clean your toilet. And, and honestly, asking people, they're just saying, hey, how could I serve you? Oh, I don't really know of any ways you could serve me. Yes, you do. Could I X, Y, or Z? And, and constantly going after, how could I serve you? How could I serve you? How could I serve you? Someone said to me, um, you know, Nicole, I really just want to come over and I want to hang out with your babies while you take a shower. And I was like, oh my gosh, they just spoke so much life into me. It was like the greatest thing ever. And they came over and I showered like right after I had her and it was glorious. And when I got back downstairs, they were having so much with the kiddos, so much fun with the kiddos, um, they didn't leave for another hour. And I could run errands and I could do things I needed to do. They enjoyed it. So I share that to say, when you're serving under someone, you're not some uh, uh, suffering servant and you're just doing it to get ahead and this is boring and horrible, but I'm going to serve you because I love you. That's not fun. I don't want you to serve me if you're going to have that attitude. Have fun in it. Let them know that you appreciate it. Thank them. Thank you so much for letting me clean your kitchen. I really loved it. I actually found a cleaning product that I've never seen before. I love that. I'm going to buy that. I actually got something from cleaning your kitchen. That's awesome. Just let them know. Does that make sense? Acts of service. That's my love language. Can y'all tell? (gasps) Acts of service. Any other questions? Y'all are awesome. Yeah. How many mentors can you have at one time? For sure. No, so good. Honestly, just start. Just start with one. Um, I have great capacity 
in, in doing it for a long time, since I was uh, 14 years old, seeking to grow. Um, you are not any holier or less holy by how many people you have discipling you. You're not. Just start with one. Do one really well. And, and you know, that one might um, dissolve after a certain time, and then you find someone else. I mean, over the course of my life, there have been probably 15 or 18 um, but currently I check in and, and some of my, maybe I should clarify some of the people that disciple me, well, uh, professor Sonnenberg, he was a Paris and I's professor in college, um, was a part of the Jesus movement. He has like the raddest testimonies ever. Uh, but I just call him probably four times a year and we've gone out there and we've flown out there to visit him and stay with his family. Um, but that I count that in my seven because he has full authority to speak in my life. And I'll share situations with him. Uh, Professor, what, what do you say to that situation? He has authority. So that is discipleship to me. Does that make sense? So they're not, I'm not all meeting with them hourly um, or necessarily even talk. Most of them I talk to at least monthly. But in, in that case, he's one of my seven. And I, I talk to him four times a year, four or five times a year. I wish it was more, but it's about it. Any other ones? Yeah. Oh, God, I got it, got it. So if you're, if the person that's discipling you shares something profound, like you can trust God with your finances and you really, you're excited about like, oh my gosh, I never knew I could do that. I want to tell the whole world about this or I want to go tell my sister. How do you approach your sister about that topic? In the way that's not, you need to do this for sure. Are you an urgent person? Yeah, okay. Sounds like me. Um, it's a great question. Honestly, hmm. when you're a teacher, when you're someone who loves to share um, what God's been doing um, and you've not sat on it, you don't have enough connection to it to share it with someone else. So for instance, if I went to someone who's never gone to church and I was like, some guy got his, his knee healed today and his brace came off and we were dancing and cheering and giving glory to the Father, they might be like, weird. They also might be like, oh, wow, your God heals? So I would just say test the person. What kind of personality are they? Don't go and share everything. It's a lot of things that actually you get to keep secrets with God and you get to have secrets with your, the person that's discipling you that you just need to be just a, not a secret, but intimate conversation between you guys until you're ready to share that. So you might be walking through a tough time. Don't tell everybody your whole story. Tell one or two people, walk through it. Once you get past it, then you can start the testimony. Does that make sense? Or you can say, hey, I'm walking through this really challenging time right now, but I'm trusting in God. Um, I won't give you all the details. I'll let you know when he has spoken to me about this situation, but um, yeah, I'm walking through it or whatnot. Don't overwhelm people. Don't freak people out. Don't be weird. Um, God's not weird, but a lot of times Christians make God weird. He's not weird. He's very normal and cool and radical and awesome. Um, but just be careful what you share. And on that note, when you're, when the person that's discipling you, if they give you examples of things or, um, hopefully they don't use names, but just try and keep most of that private. And if you want to share like, oh, it's a really good example. Can I share that with my husband? Ask for permission to do that. Cause they might be like, oh, I shared that with you in confidence, but didn't know that you were going to go share it with your whole youth group or something. Okay. Maybe one more question and then I'll let you guys go for lunch. Any other questions? Yes.
Great question. Do we have any um, people that are discipling this church? We have a lot of amazing people in this church. We don't have a ministry around here are the people that can disciple you because we believe um, in just organic community. And so I think, honestly, like relationship with people, getting introducing yourself to someone, you may not know them, just start with introducing yourself. Um, or, or you could ask for suggestions. Hey, would you have any suggestions for someone that could disciple me? Anybody? Oh, oh Tom's in the same business. Cool. Could you introduce me to Tom? Um, but I would just, yeah, I'd encourage you guys just to go introduce yourselves to people. Talk to them for a few Sundays. Ask them, hey, could I get you coffee? I'd love to get to know you more. Before you're like, hey, will you disciple me for two years? Can we meet every week? They're like, I'd love to just get to know you more. Could I take you to coffee? Could we just hang out? Also, on that note, on the coffee note, okay, this is my last bit. Um, Please don't ask someone that you're attracted to to disciple you. Okay? That is not the way to get in, all right? That is not the way to relationship. Um, Try... I, my, my, the people that disciple me are both male and female. Um, but if, if you're looking for the one that you're going to meet with and you're going to share intimate details, try to stay with the same gender. I just think it's best. Just at first, you can totally have more that are, but, but please don't, please don't meet with the opposite sex and tell them like intimate details about your marriage. That's not okay. That's weird. Okay. I hope it's okay that I'm saying that. Meet with the same gender and then ask them, hey, who, you know, I, I really like Tom. I really like Chris. I really like, you know, uh, uh, Stephen. He's awesome. He's such a servant and he plays piano and then he cleans up. And we, I just really like him and I want to learn from him. Um, but I'm a female. Would that be okay? Ask the person that's currently discipling you who is of the same gender, hey, am I ready to have a male? or to have a female um, speak into my life. Would that be okay? Ask. They might be like, no, you think Stephen is so attractive. That would be weird. Don't do that. Okay? i just be real. Same gender, at least to start off. At least to start off. Cool? I love you guys. Can I just uh, bless you? Just put your hands in a receiving position. I just love this. Yeah, God, I just thank you for your sons and daughters that are hungry. Father, right now, I just pray uh, protection and covering over them, Father, and I, I thank you for the growth that is coming in their life. Father, I thank you that they are staying after church for a long time when their bellies are probably grumbling to learn more to how to be a disciple, Father, and how to disciple others. God, would you just give them revelation this week, Father, someone that they are to reach out to whether to disciple or be discipled by. God, I ask for an increase in their life in all areas, Father, right now. I ask for much fruit, that they would be a fruit-bearing tree. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.